till you un unmute yourself or let's see where are you mm -hmm. ah there you are yeah please Alan Tutin. Let's take a, a moment to go inside and uh, to recognize the very impulse of the motivation that brought all of us here together during this time of our life. That motivation can be called the bodhicitta, the noble intention, and uh, the very makeup of the, this motivation is a selfless, especially if we really look deeply into this uh, very motivation. And uh, it is the bodhicitta or the awakened heart. Perhaps everybody here knows what the bodhicitta is. Bodhi means awakened, chitta means heart or mind. In the Eastern language, sometimes the word for mind and heart is pretty much the same. One word can be used to describe the mind as well as also the heart. Uh, we can translate bodhicitta as a awakened heart or awakened mind, but it is also this a noble intention to wake up and to even transcending oneself. Uh, and this is not uh, just uh, some far-fetched idea. I think uh, as a human being, now and then we are struck by this uh, very powerful and yet uh, intrinsically divine impulse that we want to transcend oneself. Uh, with all our ordinary impulses and, uh, and motivations and many of our motivations are dedicated to just survive uh, in this uh, world and uh, often and they are tended by our ego and the selfishness there's nothing wrong with that it's just human condition and yet uh, and there is a, this a uh, another layer of uh, uh, impulse that is intrinsically sublime, holy, selfless, regardless of uh, who you are, whether you identify yourself as a religious or spiritual or and secular. And in the many traditions, such as Buddhism, they even uses prayers, liturgies, to recognize that divine impulse. And not only that, they 
even intentionally cultivate it to the extent that uh, and that uh, impulse pretty much take over all other ordinary impulses. So this is why um, people in the old days uh, pretty much uh, let go of their mundane life and go into a desert uh, and become ascetics or monastics, join sangha or monastery and because their divine impulses are somehow much more powerful than their ordinary impulses. So we all have that uh, uh, divine impulse, the bodhicitta, that is the pretty much the force that brought all of us here together, if you really look deeply. So we have this uh, powerful longing, this uh, divine impulse that wants to transcend oneself. And of course, this uh, desire doesn't happen all the time uh, in everyday life. Maybe that whole impulse is very much covered with the ordinary desires, wanting and mindless chat. But now and then this uh, longing, this uh, divine longing becomes quite uh, powerful uh, in each of us, especially when you are sitting in silence or when you are immersed into some kind of spiritual practices. Uh, but now the question is, uh, is this just another uh, fantasy, this whole longing to transcend oneself? And that's whole another topic. And we can now bring the topic of uh, no self, uh, emptiness, uh, uh, Buddha nature, non-dual awareness, consciousness. Uh, we spend some time to inquire, most probably we are going to come across some profound epiphany that this personal self is not so real as it appears. And we began to see the falsehood of it. And therefore there are cons in Zen tradition and then uh, increase in various traditions uh, and uh, certain techniques that can help you to see the illusory nature of the personal self and realize that uh, you are much bigger as well as you are more mysterious and more ineffable than this uh, personal self which has a uh, uh, all this uh, identity, and not just uh, it has all these identities, but it can be sometimes this uh, bag of lots of uh, habits, mental and the psychological habits. Uh. And then when you do this uh, inquiry, 
in order to find truly who you are, either by using a coin or just the inquiry, uh, you might uh, come to this uh, realization that you're no longer this personal self. You're no longer your roles that you play in the society. We all play roles. And I play often roles. Uh, my roles are constantly uh, changing and, and you play your roles in everyday life uh, as well as uh, uh, you have your own daily chores, your habits and so forth. Uh, even uh, you may notice that uh, when you sit together during this meditation, there's this uh, magical moment where at least all your identities uh, fall apart automatically. You kind of forget uh, who you are in the conventional sense. You forget that uh, you are whatever teacher or student uh, or nurse or doctor or taxi driver or computer programmer. So there's not so much uh, happening in terms of uh, identity uh, without even going through some kind of profound inquiry or con. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing all the time that kind of magical moment happens. Uh, uh, for example, I lead uh, a meditation retreat uh, quite often during those uh, long meditation retreat, uh, it feels intuitively that uh, lots of people go through journey that they didn't expect. Uh, maybe people come to meditation retreat to learn how to quiet their mind or how to work with their emotions skillfully. Uh, but on the journey, they just come across uh, something completely mind-blowing, like maybe they feel that they go away from the world of known and start even touching the age of unknown and the dissolution of a personal self and realize that all their self-ego identities are not really who they are and they come to realization of who they are that even they cannot use logical word. And so they may call it uh, consciousness, awareness, uh, or spirit, uh, or suchness, uh, or original face, or divinity within. And, and that happens quite often, intuitively speaking. Uh, even uh, in the big cities where there's so much uh, noise and activities, uh, uh, when I lead the meditation, a practice on the Sundays uh, and people come to the temple from driving from long distance, perhaps they had to go through traffic. But when everybody sat down and naturally you feel that all the identities that we carry as well as all our habits kind of go away automatically and nobody's doing any kind of uh, magical blessing. It just happens, kind of people forget who they are. That's only this uh, breath. That's pretty much it. Maybe sensations in the body. And who are we in that very moment? Uh, we really can't describe who we are in that moment, except uh, we can say 
uh, we are the consciousness, so we are the awareness. Uh, uh, what is consciousness? Uh, I think consciousness is a word that uh, uh, people don't use so much uh, in the modern world. Uh, I have a friend who is uh, uh, into uh, science and he and I had uh, often this kind of entertaining, very stimulating conversation about uh, every topic that you can imagine he said that uh, he has a group of friends who are very much uh, rational, logical, and he cannot use the word mind and because they think the word mind is a too abstract or too even uh, metaphysical. Of course, if it's people think that even the word mind is a too esoteric, the consciousness would be really, really esoteric. And here we are talking about uh, pretty much last uh, five days, right? Consciousness and, and mind. Uh, and luckily nobody's running away from it by thinking, oh, they're just talking too much uh, esoteric stuff. You're still here. That means maybe this is the, the right topic that we want to explore. And consciousness is really simple from Buddhist point of view, even though that the word has a lot of uh, kind of almost the vibe of a mysticism, esotericism, like something that maybe yogis in Himalayas would discover, or maybe you have to go through Himalayas and do many years the esoteric practice and to experience or to journey into consciousness. But consciousness is unbelievably simple. It is the simplest thing to discover. Uh, more than any any topic, this is kind of uh, really interesting. It's like a little bit uh, contradictory. So I had uh, this uh, ah moment a while ago. Uh, one time I was uh, studying a little bit of uh, ma mathematics uh, because I grew up without studying really Western mathematics. I learned that it would be really good for me to learn some Western mathematics for practical reasons, especially when, if I cook food, it would be really good to know for me the numbers and all the measurement. Uh, or in, in general, it's uh, nice to have some mathematic knowledge to get around. So I decided to study math on my own, just out of curiosity. I found that it's quite uh, uh, difficulty for me to study math. And then I had this kind of interesting, humorous uh, uh, moment by realizing that uh, the consciousness is the easiest subject among all other subjects that I can play with. And this would be maybe a little bit shocking to many people who uh, studied math, who know very well, the math, maybe for some of you, consciousness seems to be such a distant uh, topic than math. Uh, but uh, consciousness is so simple in many ways, so obvious. It does not require any kind of previous knowledge. It's not like that you have to have uh, some training, academic training in Buddhist psychology to know what consciousness is. It's not like uh, somebody can tell you, well, 
in order to know what consciousness is, uh, first you have to start this uh, text and then within next uh, year, if you do very good job, you will be promoted into higher divine class and maybe within two years you'll be ready and to study what consciousness is. It's not like that. So the understanding of consciousness does not require any kind of knowledge or doctrine or dogma or or information. It's uh, perhaps the most obvious reality that you can come across in the entire universe, even though it got all these uh, fancy vibes, <laughs> vibes of mysticism. So for example, if you take, pause a little bit and see who is uh, looking into this uh, screen, who, who's really looking into it, or who's hearing the sound, who's sensing, who's tasting, and who's awakening, who's being deluded, who is feeling really ecstatic? Who is feeling tired or bored? Who is feeling being totally inspired, right? The experience is not always static. You know, uh, even during the meditation retreat, we'll go through different range of uh, experiences. Uh, and maybe morning, you could be so ecstatic by thinking that uh, finally you're getting somewhere and you feel that uh, coming to this meditation retreat was a totally good choice. You didn't make any mistake, at least on that choice. You told all your friends and family members that you're not really available to watch Netflix next whatever five days because you are going through this meditation. So I made some sacrifice, but it was worthwhile. Look at me, I'm feeling totally enlightened or I'm feeling in love with humanity. I see I'm one with everything. You could have that kind of joy, right? And then it feels really good. But then who knows, afternoon, the whole thing can just uh, dissolve and you may end up finding uh, bored and uh, tired and confused and uh, which comes with the disappointment uh, in comparison to what you experienced. So consciousness is, uh, is amazing in that sense. Uh, it's not like one thing, it's rich and it's multi-dimensional. So as a human being, you can see we, we go through so many experiences, not just within one day, but within you know, one meditation session, within even a half an hour. Uh, I'm, I'm always curious somehow whenever I lead meditation, what everybody's going through. And, and not so much right now because we have these wonderful teachers who are really leading me. I feel I'm kind of right now on a vacation. I kind of told myself, James and Trudy are going to lead everybody to the city of Nirvana. All I need is just to show up periodically, you know, just take easy. So they are going to do the main job. So all I need is to show up and uh, give a talk. <laughs> but that was my ulterior motive. So, uh, but in general, when I lead meditation retreat, I'm kind of curious what is happening in the mind of everybody. Maybe if somebody is struggling, I can help them to 
find a remedy and when I feel somebody's uh, being challenged and automatically uh, maybe you like call teacher's instinct instinct kicks inside me I want to help that person to overcome that person's uh, confusion struggle and then I look around uh, my mind says oh yeah that person's doing really very well that person is now just discovering the edge of a uh, emptiness uh, and then I become kind of happy uh, but the, uh, sometimes I found is really interesting to try to tune into the everybody's experiences because it, uh, in my mind everybody experiences changing constantly I cannot hold on to their experience either and of course I cannot hold on to my experiences either no matter how nice it is it eventually it will change sometimes it change within a few seconds and one time I was leading this meditation retreat I saw in my mind that people are going through lots of a range of emotions awakening expansion contraction confused uh, purified and there was one person i thought uh, that she is really struggling uh, because she didn't smile at all during the meditation retreat and then towards the end of meditation retreat there was a this a grief uh, a greeting line where everybody had chance to chat with me for a few seconds and this uh, a person said I had the best meditation retreat than ever and from there on <laughs> I decided not to trust my judgment about other people's experiences so, so anyway the point I'm trying to make is that uh, we are going through all these experiences even right now in this very moment but the question is who is experiencing is it your ego or the personal self? Who is really that which is experiencing all these things? It's not really ego because there are moments in our life, especially when we are born, we experience the whole reality, but there's not so much ego. And not only that, there are many moments uh, in the meditation and the deep prayer and the concentration in many even religious practices where the ego goes away completely but the experience the consciousness does not go away so that actually indicated that uh, the consciousness is much bigger than the ego if uh, ego and consciousness are the same then then uh, ego will be always there whenever we are aware whenever we experience uh, and this is a uh, again a self-evident logic that there are so many moments where we experiencing the reality the mystery of life uh, joy love awakening and where ego is no longer the main operator so this shows that uh, the consciousness is much bigger than ego but if you simply right now pause and see who is experiencing it? And there's only one answer. Your consciousness is experiencing this whole thing. This whole thing, whatever you're experiencing, sure, everybody is experiencing different version of reality. That's always the case. So we could be under the same roof, but that does not mean we'll be 
experiencing the same version of reality. Uh, who knows, maybe some of you are totally right now experiencing what they call emptiness in which that you are one with everything. Or maybe some of you are thinking about uh, something else, who knows? And uh, I'm right now seeing uh, these wonderful faces on the screen. I know uh, that uh, we are not here together, but I feel that I'm really part of this uh, Sangha. So I'm feeling gratitude. That's all I can say right now. Gratitude to the Dharma and to your effort. And uh, also happy too. It's uh, hard not to be happy when you talk to all these uh, wonderful presence. Uh, So this is also, in many ways, sacred narrative, this whole language of uh, consciousness or that you are consciousness. Uh, it's a form of a narrative, so you don't have to get really attached to it. Please do not turn this into doctrine. Uh, we are not going to go away from this retreat uh, and tell everybody, from now on, you should believe that we are consciousness. So that becomes a, a doctrine. So it's not like uh, the perfect uh, perspective of who we are. There's no perfect perspective of who we are, but I think we have uh, uh, the choice to play with the different uh, narratives of who we are or perspectives about who we are. And sometimes I feel a little bit uh, contracted in the modern world, especially in the Western world, uh, I am from Eastern culture, I'm from Tibetan culture, which is extremely uh, religious uh, in some sense. Uh, and uh, yeah, sometimes very religious. And uh, uh, when I come to West, I, I felt really this amazing freedom, like this cultural freedom. Uh, I, I remember one time I went to, to the street called the uh, Ashbe Street, right? Ashbe Street in Berkeley, I believe so. Ashbe, right? <laughs> Please correct me. It was maybe four months after I arrived in United States from Asia. And then I walked away from this Buddhist uh, temple one day to do just sightseeing. I went to uh, the street, Ashbe, which is nearby. University of California in Berkeley. And it was amazing for me to see there are so many people, people yeah, from all over the world. And uh, yeah, I was so amazed, so amazed. Like I felt this kind of freedom that I never experienced. I felt this is amazing. This is like a must be Nirvana where, you know, you can be anybody and uh, all kind of expressions are going on there. Uh, you will find uh, people from all over the world and also with the different uh, individual expressions, which is not true 
in uh, my culture. Uh, and uh, so I felt this amazing freedom. But then after a while, I still feel in this kind of little bit of contraction periodically being part of uh, the Western culture. And I was trying to figure out what that is. And I started feeling that uh, I'm a little bit almost uh, in some sense uh, almost like invaded by this uh, very limited scientific materialistic narrative about who we are and where the whole language of spirit consciousness awareness are uh, pretty much removed that's how i felt which is of course my own experience uh, and uh, so we are living in the age uh, sometimes we are very much uh, attached to very limited narrative about who we are and the narrative that we are this individual self, we are only this uh, whatever body, and uh, where the whole notion of uh, sacredness, consciousness are denied. And, and I kind of feel a little bit sometimes a little bit contracted with that kind of uh, almost uh, tyranny of a limited narrative of who we are. So, and here, we are bringing a whole new narrative. It's just narrative of who we are, that we are consciousness. And when you say your consciousness, I, I think you feel a shift immediately right now. When I say your consciousness, that does not mean that you're not a body. Here, when I say your consciousness, I'm not really rejecting anything. I'm not saying that you're not the body, you're not your personality, you're not uh, this uh, individual, but simply, when you allow yourself to uh, tune into this expression that you are consciousness, can you feel some shift happened immediately? Oh, I'm consciousness. And you may even feel some kind of freedom immediately. Freedom, being liberated from lots of those uh, concepts you have about yourself, about your well, life, your personality, your history, your body, your social status, like you may feel that there's kind of this freedom happens immediately the moment you call yourself, I am consciousness, or I am awareness, or I am whatever, pure spirit. Can you feel that shift? Let, let's take a few seconds to see how that can happen right now. Sometimes you may even feel the moment you 
invite yourself to acknowledge or recognize that your consciousness, a lot of your identities fall apart right there immediately. Lots of storylines about yourself fall apart immediately. It can be very liberating because uh, we are walking with lots of storylines about who we are all the time from morning to the evening. And some of the storylines are uh, given by other people through their whatever judgment, projections, and sometimes we kind of developed, we concoct all these concepts about who we are as a human being, but we, we do have lots of storylines about who we are. And uh, when you wake up in the morning, all you need is to go to bathroom, look into the mirror, which you always do, you know, lots of storylines popped of who we are. The moment we look at ourselves in the mirror, and then we are kind of thinking of oneself all the time, right? I'm this, I'm that. Uh, and then not only that, we are kind of comparing ourselves with other people all the time unconsciously. And which uh, creates so much pain and suffering, emotional pain and suffering from self-doubt, self-loathing, self-hatred, self-concern. Uh, many years ago, a friend of mine who was a really good meditator, I call these people sometimes the meditation or samadhi mannequin. He's like meditation model. He sits in a perfect posture, which can make some people feel really envious or feel bad about themselves because he sits perfectly. It's very difficult to sit in perfect posture for one hour without any movement. So he was a, this is a perfect meditation model, meditation mannequin or, or, or spiritual athlete in some sense, or maybe he's more than spiritual athlete anyway. And he really sits so perfectly, make you feel a little bit nervous. You think, oh, maybe I'm not sitting with the right posture, or maybe I'm being a little bit uh, loose with the meditation. And maybe he saw me that uh, I moved a little bit from my chair. <laughs> and then but he kept coming to my teaching, even though I think he was a, uh, he had a much better posture than I do, but for some reason, who knows, he kept coming to my talks all the time. And then one time I invited everybody to compose their own prayer. I said, just go back and to recite uh, some traditional prayer or to write your own prayer. And I gave a little bit of idea, the kind of prayer you can write. I told people, maybe you can say something like that. May I able to love everybody? Or may I have the courage to face my challenges? Or may I have the uh, intention to live in awareness? So I gave a little bit of ideas for a kind of prayer they can write. And then the same gentleman come back, he said, I wrote a prayer, I started doing this prayer, and I feel much more peaceful since then. And uh, I said, please, could you share that prayer with me? He said, these days, every morning I wake up, I say this prayer that I wrote, may I be free from self-concerns. I said, 
this is it. This is the the true dharma. Thank you, thank you for sharing that with me. So even though he was this great meditator, I think there's a element in his practice that he was kind of lost in his self concerns. You know, you can see that uh, a meditation practice can create lots of a problem, to a lot of suffering. You know, especially when you start criticizing yourself about your meditation practice or you want to be the best meditator in the world. <laughs> you see, even meditation can create lots of headache and heartache. So we all have the consciousness, obviously. Uh, it's not really any more a theory. You see, somebody is a here who is aware of this whole thing. If there's the nothing there, there won't be reality, there won't be existence, there won't be this retreat. And there won't be this experience. There's something there, right? Something there inside you right now who's aware of it. And who is that that is aware of everything? And that is a consciousness. Even you can just simply look into the etymology of consciousness, which means to be aware of, to be conscious, to be aware of, to be aware of the reality, to be aware of suffering, to be aware of joy, to be aware of uh, being confused to be aware of being enlightened. And obviously you are the consciousness. Seeing there's not so much really doubt anymore. There's no more really even debate, right? We all agree right now that you are, we are the consciousness. It's obvious. But then this consciousness is a, not always a perfect as we know, it's not always enlightened. Maybe it is true nature is enlightened, but it's not always enlightened. Sometimes it becomes enlightened, other times it becomes unenlightened. And still, who is enlightened is the consciousness. Who is enlightened is the consciousness. So consciousness is going through all this uh, different range of human experience from the very mundane to the most sublime, including even transcendence. The transcendence the self-transcendent is the experience of consciousness and being stuck with oneself, being angry and being selfish is also play of consciousness. Everything is just play of consciousness from that point of view. It's kind of amazing that consciousness have all this play and can get lost in itself sometimes. Uh, I tell you one story, I, I hope that's okay. Uh, this is a story about uh, the play of consciousness in context of my own own life. One time I was uh, flying back from uh, Europe and uh, back to United States. It was a very long flight. Uh, this was many years ago. By then there was already the TV camera built on the seat. So 
I tried to meditate, uh, it somehow didn't work. My brain wasn't really up to meditate and felt a little bit uncomfortable to meditate. And then I tried to read some books, but kind of a little bit boring. And then uh, I felt this boredom somehow, just boredom and knowing that I'm going to uh, get stuck in, in this uh, flying <laughs> vehicle for hours, hours. Uh, but then I saw the camera, the TV camera in front of me, and I turned on the, the TV camera and started just channel surfing in scenes I saw some of the movies already, and they're not so interesting. And then I start going into the international section, and I start watching some comedy, they're not so funny because I couldn't understand their sense of humor. Then I got really bored. What can I do? I got really bored. And that's all I experienced. Uh, and uh, I was really bored, except uh, nobody knew that I was really bored. and <laughs> didn't know what to do. It's a little bit painful to get really bored. Do you know that? Especially on aeroplane, you can't really run. You can't uh, go to refrigerator. You see, you can't sing a song. You can't just chat with people easily. So you're stuck, and then I was sitting there. I kind of knew I have to be with my boredom. There's no sense of awakening, no sense of love, no sense of joy. It's just pure boredom. And uh, uh, I, I don't don't remember how my facial expression looked like. If you were there, perhaps uh, uh, maybe I wasn't smiling. And then at some point I opened the window and I looked outside, I saw this uh, just unbelievably beautiful snow land, like everywhere is a snow, ice, it's just uh, endless, endless realms of snow. And perhaps uh, we are flying over maybe Greenland and uh, in that moment all my boredom was gone completely. I felt so moved by the the magic of existence, magic of life, magic of a yeah, universe. I was so moved, I become really, really unbelievably ecstatic. I was almost want to get up and jump around and dance, which I didn't do. So this is an example that we go from one experience to another, but it's all just play of a consciousness, right? And sometimes we forget that. Uh, and of course, there's objective reality. I'm not saying that there's no objective reality. Let's say, I give one example. Let's say how everything can be sometimes a play of our own consciousness as well as a, can be the creation or the projection of our own consciousness, even though there's obviously objective reality. And when we know that, I think freedom happens immediately. Let's say you are sitting in your room and uh, somebody is making maybe noise, somebody is maybe tearing down the wall in the neighborhood to remodel, renovate to the house. This story was shared by one of my friends and she told me that uh, she was visiting somebody and there was uh, some renovation happening. And the noise was extremely 
uncomfortable to her, especially when we, she started doing the practice and sadhanas, uh, which is a more traditional practice, that noise was very bothering to her because in her mind, uh, what she's doing is something very sublime and the noise is just pure noise. But she didn't want to say anything and she was troubled. But then she had this uh, a momentary realization in mind in which uh, this very precious thought told her that if that person was her son, she'll be so happy. She would think, oh, my son is becoming a handyman. My son has a good job. Uh, my son uh, is uh, helping somebody else renovate their house. In that moment, she knew that even though the noise is same, but by changing her perspective would change everything. And she was fine from there on. So this uh, really tells us that even though there's undeniable objective physical reality, but uh, lots of things that we experience, anger, aversion, hatred, are really simply play of our own consciousness. And we, all we need to know that, and knowing that can really give us uh, the key to the freedom and, and, and to the to happiness. So what is awareness in terms of uh, consciousness? Sometimes consciousness and awareness are the same. I think in this context, awareness is uh, when consciousness is not deluded. That is the awareness. When consciousness is not deluded, when consciousness is aware of the nature reality, nature self, that is the awareness. Uh, and let me say a few words. We're almost running out of time. Uh, I think many of you will have uh, uh, such uh, experience where you are consciousness, there's no more fear, no more personal identity. You feel you're free. You feel you can almost like, uh, you are like dancing, you know, in the whatever cosmos. <laughs> so free, you're just consciousness. You're no longer this and that. So freeing, isn't it? to really tap into that whole experience. Uh, but that experience would not just stay there, uh, even those really authentic in self and precious, some people call it a satori, sudden awakening, especially if it happens uh, immediately, some people call it enlightenment. Yes, it is enlightenment. It's not uh, some kind of uh, just shallow experience that was uh, like uh, your brain is doing something weird to yourself. It is authentic, very precious experience. So when that happens, uh, it's important to cherish it and even say, oh, this is uh, the authentic realization of who I am. I will cherish it. I hope I remember it. And I hope I have the remembrance of this and to even live from this realization and to operate from this realization rather than from my ego, from my fear. But again, the, this experience would not uh, stay forever, right? It, it will go away. Uh, it may stay whatever, a few minutes or a few hours. Uh, uh, one time somebody told me in South Korea during a retreat that uh, he or she is experiencing this kind of phenomenon, like being one with everything, no more personal identity. Uh, somebody wrote that uh, question on a piece of paper. I said, well, and then that person says, oh, I'm afraid that maybe I'm kind of maybe escaping from reality or maybe touched to some 
strange experience. Maybe I'm going to disengage from reality if I live in that awareness. So I said, well, it's a problem what you're talking about, but not really big problem. And all you need is to go to US Embassy, get a visa and go to United States and drive a car on the highway uh, 10 miles per hour. And then people honk you, who knows? And then that will be the end of your Nanjo waking. So this is humorous. I, I hope that's okay for me to share this humorous joke. Uh, yeah, but you know, we don't need to go somewhere. We can go to highway, right? That can be the end of uh, our enlightenment. But we don't even have to go to highway. We can just uh, go to our kitchen. Sometimes that can be end of our Nanjul experience. So what can we do? I think even though that Nanjul experience is authentic, but still we are human beings. We still have a habit. Uh, one time somebody asked this Tibetan Lama, what is reincarnation? The Lama said reincarnation is just recycling of your very habit. Uh, and uh, that's such, such humorous definition of reincarnation and re reincarnating from today to the tomorrow, from tomorrow to death of tomorrow. As a human being, even with uh, our Buddha nature, even with all these authentic experiences, uh, we have to bear in our mind that we are still human being and we have uh, lots of habits and they will continue and which is totally okay. And that's where the practice comes into being. The practice of mindfulness, awareness, remembrance uh, will help us uh, to see our habits and to learn and to be with them and not to feed them. Mm -hmm. And we already know it. We know how to do it. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Gratitude. So thank you, uh, Rinpoche. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.